We'll begin there in just a few moments. I thought the preteen video was outstanding, uh, to say the very least. <laughs> they did a great job. I know some of the children uh, uh, recognize some of your children, so I'm sure that was a big throw for the parents. You may read on the internet or uh, hear from other uh, regions of the church uh, that our, our, actually our church worldwide today is uh, taking up the contribution for the church in Abidjan, Ivory Coast. Uh, they're going through a very difficult civil war uh, time over there and uh, many of the, the brothers and sisters in the church there are in danger. They've lost their homes and uh, uh, just a very, very difficult time. What we're going to be doing here in the central region is we're not going to have it today. We're going to have it the first Wednesday in August, so about two weeks from now. Uh, so we felt like that would be a little bit better time maybe to, uh, to take up that contribution. Instead of having two contributions on one day, uh, having our normal and then having the one for Abidjan. So we'll have that on Wednesday, uh, August 3rd, and you can uh, be preparing for that. Amen. I want to talk today about being a model church. Hope you're already in 1 Thessalonians, are you? Let's begin reading in verse 1. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for you, for for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that He has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord in spite of severe suffering, and you welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out, not, not only in, in uh, not only from you, uh, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. And so you became a model, a model church. We're going to study this passage and some things here in First Thessalonians. We're going to try to figure out why they were a model and figure out how we can be a model. We need role models in our life. We, in fact, all have role models in our life. So to get our mind thinking along this line, let's think of some role models that people might think of in different situations of life that, that they might come upon. If you were to think of all the presidents of the United States, uh, which would be a role model president? What do you think? Lincoln. FDR. Washington, the first one, of course. Uh, he was he was the role model whether he wanted to be or not, because uh, uh, he was the only one at that time. And we could go on and on. You might have your favorites and those kind of things. But uh, you know, we we surely understand the idea that uh, you know someone you know can be a role model in a particular area. How about an actor? Paul <laughs> Newman. Who? 
see, it seems like a, a muttering out there with the actors. No, not not Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, I don't think so. Okay, how about how about actress? Do we have any more clarity there? Bruce Lee. I doubt that he would be in the actress category. Uh, can't can't think of anybody there. Okay, I know this would be a biased audience, but uh, how about a model college football program? Uh, <laughs> USC people are a little nervous. Uh, you know, you could you could certainly say a, a number of ones uh, along the way there, uh, remembering that they've all had their problems at one time or another, but. Uh, uh, you know, we are a biased group here with the USC Campus Ministry, so we can say USC. But the idea of a role model and, uh, you know, someone to look up to, someone you say, you know, when I grow up, I want to be like, you know, so-and-so, maybe in your professional world, maybe in your, in your sense of parenting, uh, or just being a person, uh, you know, you look at certain people and say, you know, I like the way they act or the way they, they think or the way they come across. This idea of being uh, a model uh, goes in. Now, when he says that you're a model church, it goes without saying that if they're a model church, that model church is made up of what? People. People. That evidently would also be qualified as being models themselves, right? Yep. That they were role model Christians. If you put enough role model Christians in one congregation, what do you end up with? A role model church. And so, you know, we, we can think about this in a collective sense today and say, well, we want to be a role model church. But probably for all of us individually, it's far more effective to think, I need to be a role model person uh, myself. Uh, and, and if I get that down and if several others around me all get it down, then we'll let the church thing figure it out. You know, you can't really figure out the church thing until you've got yourself figured out. So for you and me today, we need to focus down and, you know, uh, you know, okay, how do I do this in my life? I need to be a role model myself. What we're going to find here is some interesting things. Point number one, they grew to be a model. They weren't always a model. Look back to the book of Acts to where we find the beginning of the church in Thessalonica. Acts chapter 17. book of Acts, of course, is sort of a history of the early church. And we find here that Paul is in the second missionary journey, and he's going up into that, or, uh, that area of the world today that we refer to as Asia Minor, and that uh, he goes to Thessalonica. And we'll pick that up in verse 1, Acts 17. You guys there? Yeah. Okay, here we go. They grew to be a model. They weren't always a role model. When they had passed through Epiphilus and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a Jewish synagogue. As his custom was, Paul went into the synagogue... And for three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that the Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Christ, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and not a few prominent women. But the Jews were jealous, and they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace. I always like that description. Some bad characters from the, from the marketplace. They are out there even in our marketplace today. They formed a mob and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. 
But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other brothers before the city officials, shouting, These men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here, and Jason has welcomed them into his house. They were all defying, they are all defying Caesar's decrees and saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they made Jason and the others post-bond, and they let them go. As soon as it was night, the brothers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now the Get this now. Now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians. For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Point number one, they weren't always role models. Matter of fact, right here, the Bereans apparently were way ahead of them. And the Scriptures are very clear about that. It says the Bereans were way ahead of the Thessalonians because they, they were open to the Scriptures, but not only open, but they actually went back and studied the Scriptures to make sure and to identify on a personal level and develop some conviction to see if what Paul said was true. You know, a lot of times when we think of role models, we think, yeah, so-and-so's a role model. They were always that way. You know? We, we think of a particular sister in the Lord. We say, you know, man, she is such a good Christian. And our assumption is, she sort of came out of the waters of, of, of being baptized, an awesome sister. There she is, Miss Awesomeness. She's a role model for everybody. Or we think of our, you know, our favorite brother, or you know, the brother we we say, hey, when I grow up in the Lord, I want to be like him, you know, that kind of thing. And we think, man, he was always great. He was always super, uh, you know, uh, knowledgeable about, about the scriptures and has character totally under control and all those kind of things. That's not the case. They, at this point in time, were not a role model. As a matter of fact, they were the opposite of a role model. They needed to look to a role model. And that they found in the Bereans. Now, it's a little bit of an interesting thing here, even as we think back to 1 Thessalonians there. He says to them, he says, you became imitators of us. And then he goes on to say, now you're a role model yourself. And you know, that's the way it is many times in life. People who do become great role models for people in life, whatever area you're talking about, at one time or another in their life, they know that they're not where they need to be, and they look around and they're saying, okay, when I grow up, I want to be like so-and-so. Uh, and, and I, I, want to, I want to be a great, you know, whatever, a lawyer. I want to be a great football player. I want to be a great mom. You know, whatever area of life, you know, even if you're going to be a role model one time in your life, probably at an earlier stage, you knew you weren't where you needed to be, and you needed a role model yourself. And, you know, that's not unusual, and it's a a pretty normal thing. Look over to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. This idea of actually looking to people sometimes, for example, is actually not a bad idea. Hebrews 13, 7. It says, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Here we actually have a passage that tells us that we need to imitate the faith and imitate the behavior in one sense, the faithful lifestyle of people around us. Now, a real good question for you right now, a lot of you are taking notes, and that's a good idea. 
Who are you looking to in your life as some type of a role model in your faith? Who's your role model? Who's someone you're saying, you know, hey, when I grow up, I want to be like him. When I grow up, I want to be like her. Now you say, oh, I don't know. I, you know, I don't want to make uh, them too big in my life. Uh, you know, Jesus needs to be my Lord. That's a given. We're not talking about who's your Lord. If, if, if we say to this crowd, who's your Lord, we all write down the same answer. Okay? But if I say, who are you looking at as a role model for your faith? We might have all kinds of different answers that, that we might write down on our, our page. And it might be for different reasons. And it might be a different name now than it was a month ago. In a month in the future, if we so long live, it might be another name that we might write down as a role model in our faith. We're not talking about one and one only. You know, this is not like getting married. Uh, you know, and that kind of a thing. You know, you can move role models around uh, in your life for different things that you see. You may actually say, that, you know, I, I really like that that particular sister. I see some great things in her life in this area, but in another area, you might say, ah, not so much. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, she may be just awesome in some areas, but you look at areas, other areas, you say, well, I don't really want to be like that uh, because I see in that area some things that maybe I, I don't want to imitate. Uh, in my life. But the idea of imitation is not a bad idea. So they weren't always where they needed to be. They had to grow into it. And I want to talk about this idea of growing. Look over to 1 Peter. We're going to look at uh, three different passages here in 1 and 2 Peter about this idea of growing and developing in your Christian life. Are you growing? Can you look back in, in, in your history over a week, a month, uh, six months, and, and can you say, hey, I'm making some uh, strides in my spiritual life. Am I growing? In First Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, rid yourself of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. We need to grow up in our salvation. We need to grow. And he says, it's like someone being like a newborn baby being hungry. And you know how it is. We've got some young moms you know, in the, uh, in the audience here. And these are those of you that aren't young now. You, uh, you were young moms at one time. <laughs> uh, you, know? Uh, you know how it is. When the baby, when the baby is hungry... Um, you know, you just don't say, well, hey, I'm really busy right now. Chill out. Uh, baby's not chilling out. Baby wants to eat now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now, Chris and I, of course, our children are long gone and grown, uh, but we do have two dogs, uh, Jack and Lucy. And, you know, it's amazing. Uh, I don't know how intelligent dogs are on the big scheme of things, but uh, I can tell you they know when it's time to eat. And uh, when it's time to eat, they are fairly insistent that it's time to eat now. And they're not really open to, let's put this off for an hour or two until I can work it in. There's an enthusiasm. They're, they're, they're craving. They're ready to go. If you're going to grow spiritually, it's not going to happen by accident. You're not going to grow up uh, spiritually by, by just sort of smoothing your way through you're going to have to develop some craving. 
I really want this. I'm willing to to sacrifice for this. I need some Bible time. I need to read my Bible. I need to get up earlier. I need to stay up later. I need to rearrange my schedule. I'm craving. I want to grow spiritually. I see the need for it in my life. You know, a lot of times that's the real issue in our lives. Is that sometimes, honestly, we don't feel the need. Like, I know I should want to grow spiritually, but I don't feel the need right now in my life. It's, a, it's Really, what's going on there is a numbing. You're getting numbed by life. And all of a sudden, your bills, your interest, your social life, uh, your interest in sports, uh, your interest in whatever may be going on with you, all of a sudden, all that becomes far more interesting to you than growing spiritually. If you're going to grow spiritually, it's going to have to be a priority. You're going to have to say, this needs to be done. I mentioned a couple weeks ago that uh, for whatever reason, I don't know how I did it, I hurt my left shoulder. And I can tell you, it hurts. It, it, you know, I, I, we uh, had a prayer earlier, those of us involved in the service, and uh, Peter uh, Markowski was on my one side, and he noticed during the prayer, I'm going, mm, mm. it's because I had my arm up like that with the, the, the guy next to me, and he was sort of leaning down on my shoulder <laughs> during the prayer. I'm going, <laughs> and Peter, Peter, after we first, said, "You okay?" I said, "Yeah, my my shoulder." And I explained it. But anyway, I went to the chiropractor. And the chiropractor says, "Well, you're going to have to exercise that rotator cuff." He said, that, "That's what you got." And and he says, "You need to you know sit down and like your hand or your elbow on a, a chair, and you need to go like this for 12 times." And uh, he says, "You know, it'll surprise you when you get up to about number eight. It starts to hurt." And, you know, that's true. No weights. Just, you know, whatever my hand weighs. And he says, take a weight, a little weight, and, and start doing that. And he says, you'll be surprised how much it hurts. And I'm telling you, I, it hurts. And, but he says, you've got you to push through a little bit. You've you got to go after it. And, and, and you, you know, it will eventually, you know, the muscles around there will strengthen it and you'll be fine. And you know what, guys? I'm willing to do that. Yeah. It hurts. But I'm willing to do it because I really don't want the rest of my life to go like mm, you know, when someone leans on my arm during the prayer session. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If you're going to grow spiritually, you're going to have to want it. Yeah. It ain't going to happen by osmosis. Right. You know, you can't open and shut the pages of your Bible fast enough to create a spiritual wind that's going to flow into your brain. Okay. You're going to have to want to grow in your spiritual life. Look over to 2 Peter chapter 1. It'll be like that newborn baby. He says in verse 5, For this very reason, make every... What? Effort. effort. There's going to have to be some effort involved to add to your faith goodness, your goodness knowledge, and your knowledge self-control, your self-control perseverance, and the perseverance godliness, the godliness brotherly kindness, and the brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure... You're going to have to grow. They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. You ever feel ineffective and unproductive in your spiritual life? You're like, man, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not growing here. I'm not developing the way I need to. He goes on to say, but if anyone does not have them, he's nearsighted and blind, has forgotten that he's been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall. And you'll receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You're going to have to make every effort to grow. 
You're going to have to decide, this is a priority in my life. I want to grow. I want to develop in my spiritual life. It is a priority and I am going to keep it a priority in my life. I'm going to be eager about it. Not feeling like, oh, drudge, I've got to do this. But there's a motivation. And you say, well, Marty, motivate me, motivate me, motivate me. You know what? This is something that you're going to have to figure out for yourself. Hopefully I can be motivational. Not depressive. But, this is something in your life, brothers and sisters, if you want me to be your source of motivation, you're in big trouble. Now, it's my job to provide motivation. But this is about you and God. This is about you and your relationship with God. This is going to have to be some internal motivation that you're going to have to develop within your own heart and your mind as you grow spiritually. Look over to 2 Peter chapter 3. Right at the end, Peter's sort of closing down his thoughts. Look what he says, verse 17. Therefore, dear friends, since you already know this, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever, ever. Amen. This is said in, in, in the wordage here is, but grow. This is not uh, feel grow. This is grow. Yeah. Make a decision in your life that you're going to grow and that you want to grow to be a role model for other people around you. Point number two. Look back to First Thessalonians again, okay? How about being a role model as a church, but we can't be a role model as a church unless we're role models as individuals. Point number two. They were raised right. Chapter 2, actually beginning the paragraph there of verse 6. You see where I'm at where it says, Ask Apostles? You guys there? Well, look what Paul says here about what he did with them and providing leadership for them. He says, As Apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you. But we were gentle among you, like a mother caring for her little children. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. Surely you remember, brothers, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy and righteous and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into His kingdom and His glory. Point number two, they were raised right. You know how sometimes we talk about different people? Man, they were raised right. Their parents did a great job raising them. Paul describes himself here in his leadership position in their lives. He says, I was like a mother to you. And I was like a father to you as I provided leadership for you in your life. Now, I don't know what your mom and dads were like and all the different perspectives that we might have on moms and dads. But let's zero in on here on Paul's perspective of his leadership as he compares it to a mom and a dad. He said, I was like a mom with you in that I was so gentle with you. 
Now, some of you may say, man, my mom was not gentle. (laughs) And that may be true about your mom, but we're not really talking about your mom right now. Uh, We're talking about Paul's perspective and mindset of what he was intending to do. In In his mind, maybe he was thinking back to his mom, he said, I was like my mom with you. I was like a mother to you. I was gentle. I was loving. I loved you so much. Now, we're going to talk about the dad thing here in a minute. So dads don't get worried. Brothers don't get worried. We're going to get to that. He talks about this endearing relationship, this loving, gentle relationship that he had with them that was like a mother dealing with her, I'm I'm assuming here, little children. Probably not uh, grown children, but her little children. If you look at moms, generally speaking, with their young children, now, I know there are instances out in there in the world where it isn't this way. But let's talk about probably the way that it should be. Moms love their kids passionately. You know, you, you can have a child, a baby, that honestly is not all that cute. <laughs> Really. We, we had one like that, I know. Matter of fact, we had two that weren't really cute. As, 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 uh, <clears throat> you know what? It doesn't make a difference if the baby's cute. The mom loves the baby. There, there's a gentleness. There's an attachment. There's a passion. That there, there's a patience, a caring that a mom has with a baby. Maybe an ugly baby to everybody else, but it's not an ugly baby to her. It's her baby. And, and, and she loves that baby. Now remember here, Paul is talking about his leadership role with them. Now I know we have different people in the room here that are leaders on different levels. Maybe a family group leader. Uh, you, you're providing some level of leadership. There is an absolutely right application of leadership where you are patient, you are gentle, you are kind, uh, perhaps even accepting or tolerant. Like a mom is what Paul is saying. But he also goes down here and he says, but you know, I also was like a father to you. And what does he say about the fathers? Actually, it's a pretty different description down in verse 11. He says, We dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you. I don't know about you, but when I read that, I get the impression that when he's talking about the dad here, he's talking about a little bit more of a a kick him in the pants kind of an attitude. Yes, we were encouraging. Yes, we comforted you. We also urged you. Come on, move it. A little bit more like a dad. Now you might say, "Well, my dad wasn't anything like that." We're not talking about your dad. We're talking about Paul's perception here of the dad role that he played. He's saying, "I, I almost was like a split personality in how I dealt with you and helping you to grow up spiritually." You know, when people grow up in a, in a family. We, we say they were raised in that family. They were raised up in that family. They grew up in that family, right? Yeah. Spiritually speaking, we grow up in a family, the church. We grow up with leadership in our life. Now some of us say, well, you know, I like that mom thing. 
I want people to be patient with me. I want people to really passionately love me. I want people to be gentle and caring and kind and sweet. Amen. Every one of us deserves that. We deserve to have people treat us as a mom treats her children. But we also deserve to be treated as a father treats the children. Which is a little bit more the kick in the pants kind of an attitude. Is what Paul is describing here. You see, these people became role models. That's what we're looking at, right? Yeah. right. That's the whole thing we're looking at. Okay, we're, we're looking, okay, what are the roots? How did they become role models? How did they grow up to be that? They were raised right. They had leadership in their life that loved them passionately, but also expected them to do what's right. You understand what I'm saying? Now, let's think about our lives. We should have that exact same leadership in our life. And every one of you right now, if you're in a position of leadership, I want you to listen to me big time. You cannot be either one of these without a balance of the other. Now, one may be your more natural suit. I get that. You may be a more natural mother. You may be a more natural father. But you can't be a one-trick pony here. You can't be so out of balance that you say, well, hey, I want to be the leader that kicks butt. I want to be the leader that just bangs on people and expects them to do it right. No, 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 no. Paul says, I was a mom by design. I was a dad by design in my leadership to you. Sometimes I was loving and patient and kind and tolerant. Other times I said, listen, shape up. Quit whining and get, you know, get in your room and get your homework done. That sounds a little bit more like dad is what he's saying. We should have those kind of leaders. And all the leaders in the room, listen to me. That's what you need to be. You can't be one without the other. And don't say, well, it feels so natural for me to be this. Hey, if we just did what was natural in life, frankly, we'd be in big trouble. Isn't the, the primary concept of discipleship, as Jesus said, if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. What did Jesus do the night before he went to the cross? He prayed, God, if there's any other way, let's do this. Yet not my will, but your will be done. Yes, it is natural for us to do some things in leadership. It is unnatural to do others. But that isn't to say that those qualities don't need to be developed in your life. Students, if you just studied when you naturally felt like studying, how many tests would you pass? How many many papers would be written? Those of us in the adult world, if you went to work when you felt like going to work, How much work would be done? How big would your paycheck be? We all know that that the truth of the matter is in life, we have to do some things that are not natural. We have to say, listen, this needs to be done. It's right, it's proper, it's good. And whether I feel like it right now is a bit irrelevant. Move. Come on. And you know, sometimes we need people to tell us move. Sometimes we need to say it to ourselves. You know, when you're laying in the bed in the morning when the alarm clock has gone off and you've turned off the alarm, right now you're, you're in a position where you need motivation. But it cannot, won't be from somebody else. It's you. The inner dialogue of your mind says, move it. Move it! Move it! 
Get up, get out, move, get to the bathroom. If you get to the bathroom, you're fine. But you've got to get to the bathroom. Now. And I don't care if you have to shuffle. Get there. Crawl. Get there. These people became role models because they were raised right. Leadership should provide a mothering and fathering aspect in leadership. But I'm telling you guys, it doesn't stop there. You should expect that kind of leadership from the leaders that you have in your life. Sometimes they're going to be kind, nice, patient, tolerant, amen. Other times they're going to tell you, hey, it's time for you to shape up and get a better attitude. It's time for you to quit grumping and griping and moaning. You know, sometimes people gripe about leadership. Well, I wish I had better leadership in my life. You know what? I wish I had better leadership in my life. People say, I wish we had a better preacher. I wish you had a better preacher too. I wish I had better members. You know, sometimes it's not about worrying about what you don't have. It's saying, hey, I, I need to have a mothering type, fathering type leadership in my life. It's going to get the best out of me. That's why these people became role models. They were raised right. Point number two. Point number three. They still had room to grow. Unbelievable. Look over to 1 Thessalonians 3. And verse 6. He says, but Timothy has just not come to us. Timothy had gone and visited me, and Paul is actually in prison in Rome. He's, he comes back now and he's bringing this report. He says, but Timothy has just now come uh, to us from you and has brought news, good news about your faith and love. He's also told us that you, are always, you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers, in all our distress and persecution, we are encouraged because of you because of your faith. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. But how can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy that we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Supply what is lacking in their faith? I thought they were role models. Apparently they weren't totally where they needed to be. Come on down to chapter 4 verse 1. Finally, brothers, we, uh, we instructed you in how to live in order to please God as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. Here's the amazing thing, guys. They weren't entire, were, entirely where they needed to be or where they could be. The message for you and me is simply this. We haven't arrived. Wherever you're at spiritually, you are not where you could be spiritually. You need to continue to grow. You have room to grow. You can be better than you are now in your life. That's what he's saying to him. He says, in chapter 1, your models for all the believers throughout Macedonia and Achaia. Here in chapter 3 and 4, he says, but you guys need to get, get busy and grow. You got things in your life you need to develop. Nobody in this room has arrived. Nobody in this room is where they need to be. You have room to grow in your life. Amen. We need to stay humble and hungry. Humble and hungry. We haven't arrived. 
Wherever you're at, wherever I'm at, we're not where we could be. We need to stay humble. You need to grow. You need to change. You need to be challenged in your life. You don't outgrow being challenged in your life spiritually. You know, for some of us, we, 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 go, we, we, we go along in life and we get out of school and, and, and we, we get into our job and our career and all that kind of thing and no one's challenging us anymore. No one's calling us higher anymore in our life. And we, we flatten off. You're not where you need to be. You're not where you could be. We can be better. You can be better. I can be better. Whatever chapter of life you're in. You know, our life goes through chapters. Whatever chapter of life you're in, the amazing thing is that I've observed in life is that once I'm in a chapter, about the time I figure it out, I, I'm, I'm moving on. I'm in the next chapter. But by the time we figured out how to deal with Ben and Maria as little children, then they weren't little children anymore. By the time you figure out uh, the, the, the early school years and, and that kind of thing, then, then they're in middle school. By the time you get middle school figured out, they go to high school. time you get the high school years figured out, you know, uh, and that's not even talking about uh, going through puberty and all that kind of stuff. You know, all, chapter, chapter, chapter. And, and, and you go on and you've got to develop. You've got to grow because what worked at, at the first chapter doesn't work at chapter four. Right, right. You've, got, you've got to figure it out now. Chris and I are still figuring it out as parents. It's amazing. Ben's 26. Maria's 25. Anya's 25. We're still figuring out how to be parents now. Because what worked when they were, you know, littler doesn't work now. You can't talk to a 26-year-old the way you talk to a 16-year-old. When a kid is 16 years old, there's a given that I am still training you. You're still living in my house. But when they're 26, they don't live in your house. Prayerfully. Uh, <laughs> Was that movie they did a couple years ago, Failure to Launch? Uh, you know, whatever chapter of life, whatever challenge of life that you're in, you got to grow, you got to develop. You know, as younger people, and I would say, uh, considering myself somewhat of a younger person even now, I'm not sick all the time. But I tell you what, I'm figuring out, and I don't like it, is that I'm falling apart one piece at a time. If it's not my back one week, next week I'm sharing about my shoulder. You know, I mean, you guys getting a, a, a every three week update on what hurts. Uh, you know, and, and, and I'm telling you that it seems it's more. I, I, I never hurt. I never got hurt. Now it seems like I'm, I'm on the verge of hurting all the time with something, if you know what I mean. And I know that process is only going to continue. It's a challenge. How do you deal with it when you don't feel good? Right. You know, some of you say, well, I've been sick for a long time. I could teach you a lot. You know what? Amen. I, I'm sure you can. But you know what? We go through chapters of life. We go through challenges of life. And, and we've got to grow through them. We've got to learn how to be gracious when we don't feel good physically. You know? and, and we're not all just you know, rearing and going and we're not in Olympic shape. You know? But you've still got to have a good spirit and attitude. and you know, Put your arm up during the prayer whether you feel like it or not, if you know what I'm saying. We, we go through tests in life, difficulties, sometimes things that we would never imagine that we would have to go through in life. We have room to grow. And, and we've got to keep that humble and hungry attitude in our life. You and I can be role models. Many of us are role models. The challenge of being a role model is this. You can either be a challenge uh, to people to gr- draw them higher in their faith, or you can be a bad role model, frankly. And people can look at you and say, well, I'm not doing much right now, but neither is she. I'm not doing much right now, neither is he. And you can become an excuse role model for people. 
You, you, can, you can be someone that people look at and say, well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a knucklehead, but they are too. We'll have the fellowship of knucklehead uh, <laughs> over here. I want to be, you want to be, a good role model. So like Paul says to these people, you're an example to people all over the world. Let's be the kind of role models and examples that God would want us to be. Amen. You guys are awesome. I see a lot of visitors here today. Please hang around for a few minutes so we can visit with you, get to know you a little bit. Let's go out. Let's have an impact on the world. You're dismissed. Amen. You are my role model.